and greetings from uh, uh, my uh, fellow bishops. Uh, it's indeed, uh, and all the Christians, uh, greetings from Gahini. It's indeed a great joy to be here. Uh, actually, when uh, Ubri invited me, he solved one of the big problems of wrestling with me. Because when I, go, I don't go to church on Sunday, I was supposed to be traveling. If I don't go to church on Sunday and uh, the, all the, the groups, the three churches in Washington, D.C., they worship in the afternoon. So if I don't go to church, the whole day I feel, actually the, the following week, I feel something is missing. And sometimes I don't even know what it is. Uh, so one way of starting a week is being on, uh, in the church on Sunday. So it was really doing me a service to be able to come here. And then from here, I run to the airport, and then I'm done. I was thinking about uh, going to St. John's in Philadelphia, but it was going to be too far. It was going to be a stretch. Uh, uh, so uh, coming here, being here, it's indeed a great joy. And I'm so, so, so grateful. Now, before sharing the word of God, allow me to say a couple of things, and uh, then I move on. And I will tell you why I have to say these things. Uh, number one is that my diocese, Gahini Diocese, uh, is where the East African Revival Movement uh, started. So that movement impacted. It is probably the longest surviving uh, revival movement because from 1930, it is still going on. I would call myself to be more or less like a third generation, and we are still going, uh, going on. It's very interesting. Initially, I used to think that it had impacted only East Africa, but I did realize that uh, it has impacted the whole world. And indeed, uh, amazingly, uh, from East Africa, it went, it went to Switzerland, Britain, and then here in America. And some of the, those uh, from that movement joined the Billy Graham movement. It was a movement, yes, within the Anglican church predominantly over there, but actually impacting many other churches, Methodist, Baptist, you name it, and anything else. So uh, I live, I always challenge my people, I tell them, you know what? We live in a, in a holy place, and you don't even know. Uh, but we know it, it's, uh, uh, you know, we see God's hand constantly. Number two, uh, uh, that East African revival movement was a church planting movement because, uh, you know, if you look at, at, at the book of Acts, uh, revival is always followed by church planting uh, programs because revived people plant churches. That is, it just follows. And uh, uh, I have to say that uh, uh, I love it. We've been planting churches for as long as I can remember. Uh, and I have planted churches of all categories. Uh, you name it, and you have tried it. Uh, I, I told him that I planted one of the quickest uh, church uh, I can think of. Because I have never preached in that church. Actually, have never even you know, been in that, you know, attended that church. And yet, I'm the one who planted it by a simple announcement. The Lord told me, announce it, and I did, and it happened. So you go there, and they said, who planted this church? They'll tell you, Bishop Alex. <laughs> Has he ever been here? No. <laughs> I simply provided a place, and then I made an announcement, and it was done. I moved on. <laughs> My diocese, we started with uh, uh, 100 congregations. Now we have 230 in 10 years. So we have planted 130 congregations. So uh, when Ubri told me about your plan of planting movement uh, or being a church which plants churches, I said, there you are, 
That's great. You know, I mean, that's being a biblical church. Let me say something else, and then I'm done. Uh, you should be proud of your church. This is a healthy church. It's a wonderful church. I mean, when, when you just, as I'm standing here and I'm looking at you, I say, my goodness, if you knew how blessed you are. I mean, I have gone to so many churches, big, small, medium-sized, you name it, with, you know, music group, and you name, I mean, all kinds of churches. But this church is very, very healthy in many ways. Let me tell you something which uh, may astonish you. By the way, I'm, uh, I'm a father of, uh, I'm married to a wonderful wife. She's a medical doctor. We have six biological children. We adopted six children, making total 12. And now we have started now having grandchildren. We are down to five. I don't know how many we're going to have. <laughs> so I love children. So my, you know, children cannot escape my eyes. And uh, I mean, I've loved your children. They're well behaved. They're so wonderful. You know, last night, I mean, I spent two years here in the USA, and I travel a lot, and I travel all over the world. I mean, I travel a lot. I mean, in, in November, I was, I was in Australia for three weeks, and then uh, in December, I was in Nairobi, and then uh, in January, I'm here. I don't know where I'm going to be next month and next month and anything else. So whenever I'm going, I always keep an eye. And uh, I saw your children. In USA, probably, you won't find very many places where you go, and then you see young guys like Hans and others and coming and, and you know, taking the, you know, the luggage and taking them and everything else. And then when you're about to again to pack them, they just rush and take them. My goodness, I said, these are wonderful, wonderful children. You should be proud of, of your children. Well-behaved. Probably, if I was to, to describe, I would say, you guys, you are the best. <laughs> you are the best. I, I love children, and I know uh, when they get involved. And you see a young man like this, you know, just playing the drum with the, this and that. When you get children involved as part of our life, then, uh, and thank you so much for saying, kids, when they'll be uh, kind of like doing this and this, it's like music, you know, the background music, and you enjoy it. So the sound of children, for me, it's background music to what we are doing, and it's just so beautiful. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, not uh, 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 I'm serious on this because uh, sometimes the way we understand, we see them as if they were outside what we are doing, as if we are, they kind of, just to tell you, I, I went uh, recently, two months ago, I went to do confirmation in one of our parishes, and there were like 100 plus to be confirmed. And as you can imagine, the church was packed, you know, over 1,000 people. And who are the victims? Children. <laughs> they had to be taken somewhere, meaning that they were not going to meet the bishop. <coughs> and as I was passing, one of the kids did like this. It really broke my heart. So as I entered, I went there, and I saw only grown-ups. And I looked at them, I said, what, are, what am I doing here? And then after a while, I couldn't help myself. I told them, you know, I have a problem. Where are your children? Of course I knew where they were. Because I had seen where they had taken them. <laughs> so I said, where are your children? Uh, they said, yeah, they are, they are somewhere. I said, you know what? Please, whether you can, you know, you, you can be singing, you can do, be making an announcement or do whatever you want. 
I'm going to teach Sunday school. I'll spend 15 minutes with the kids, and then I'll come back here. <laughs> and I did. For me, I was conveying the message home that these children, they are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today and tomorrow. So focusing on them, allowing them, even, you know, having no space for probably special program for children may be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> so uh, celebrate together, and uh, probably sometimes when you are speaking, uh, as a speaker, as a preacher, you sometimes find a way of, uh, kind of like uh, finding a way of connecting the kids, and from time to time, I try my level best to see if I can uh, try to connect with the young ones, but these kids, they can understand more than we think. They remember. I remember going to, uh, going to Australia, and I was, uh, I was speaking. I had lots of speaking engagements you know, in various, to various groups. And then I, went, I was taken to a place with, with kindergarten, you know, five years, six years old. And I looked at myself. I said, okay, how am I going to connect with these kids? And then I looked at them. I said, kids, do you listen to me? They said, yeah, sure. I said, can you repeat with me? They said, yeah, sure. Be good. All the children, can you repeat with me? Be good. Be good. I want the children to, I want to, to listen to your voice. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. Hey, the children, can you repeat this? Be good. Be best. Be, best. be, best. be good. Be best. I'm telling you why, why I'm saying this. Five years after, I went back to the same school. And I asked them if they remembered me. They said, sure, we do. Do you remember what I told you? They said, yeah, we do. I said, what? Be good, be best. <laughs> Just imagine, five years, if I come back here and ask you, do you remember what I preached? I think, uh, don't blame yourself if you don't remember. But the children are still remembering. Be good, be best. And I, I, I mean, they may still remember the rest of their lives. And if they, our children can remember to be good and to be best, I think that is a great, it's a great message. So I hope the kids, when I come here, next time you'll be remembering what I told you, to be good and be best. And you make it the motto of your life. <coughs> now let's get into uh, uh, the message. And I'll try my level best to be quick uh, so that... I don't want anybody to look at, at his or her watch. Uh, because many times people tell, you know what? You only have 15 minutes to preach and that's all because you have you know, a program. I said, hold on a minute. Yeah, that's the program. What about if the Holy Spirit tells me to keep going? And they go, oh. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> so, uh, now, uh, the reading. And again, uh, let me just appreciate, really, really appreciate the, the reading from the uh, the young lady who read for us, it's just amazing. Just, just so, when you see a kid opening the word of God and reading, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. Because it does a lot of, it does impact them, it does impact the people, and people never forget about it. I remember, again, uh, uh, on that note, uh, going to, um, to a place, and I was supposed to speak. There were like, uh, you know, more than a thousand people over there. Uh, I think there was like a funeral or something. I don't remember what was taking place. Then I had gone with my son, uh, my, you know, some of my kids. And then when I looked around, I couldn't find somebody who could, I could ask to read. I asked my son who was, who was then 13. 
I said, son, can you read? He said, sure, dad. I mean, he was used to reading, you know, to reading the Bible at home uh, in our sitting room. And then I said, son, can you read the Bible? He said, sure, dad. And the boy went there, opened the Bible, and he read. Recently, this is seven years ago, a few months ago, I met somebody from that area, and he asked me about my son, and he told me he reads so well. The man is still remembering a young boy standing in front of a thousand people plus and reading the word of God. It had great impact. So when our children are, are coming and serving with us and uh, reading the word of God, it's just wonderful. It's just great. Verse 18 of the second letter to the Corinthian, chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and had given us the ministry of reconciliation. Shall we pray? Loving God, I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for this opportunity to share your word, you know, to share the, your word with uh, uh, our dear brothers and sisters. And I want to ask you, Lord Jesus, to come and help us and be with us and guide us. Uh, and I want to uh, pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Whenever you talk about reconciliation, always what comes in people's mind is that reconciliation is needed over there where there's conflict. I mean, in southern Sudan, Afghanistan, Rwanda, and you name it. Even when it is not extremely really needed as it is, but because of the media, we always think that uh, reconciliation is for those over there. But reconciliation is so much needed in our families. It is so much needed even with ourselves. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes we, we are walking, but we are divided personalities. So reconciliation is needed in our communities. It is needed in our places of work. It is needed by each and every one of us. But many times when you speak about reconciliation, you find that uh, us talking about those over there, but we don't need it, and yet we need it. And many times you realize that uh, when people are involved in reconciliation, they don't succeed because these very people who are involved in reconciliation, they are themselves a problem. They are divided personalities. Now, what happens is this? Because at the first place, why do we need reconciliation? Because we are broken people, because we are hurting people, and we are hurting each other. Uh, and many times, we, we just get it wrong. And that's why we don't succeed in reconciliation. Because we start, you see, reconciliation has like four stages. It's like four stages of building a house. You know, foundation, then the walls and then the beam, and then the roof. And then because we are quick, we want to get, you know, just, you know, we, we are used to quick fix. We want quick things, quick food, quick feed. You know, we just, want, we just want to avoid the foundation, and then we move on, and then we start with, the, you know, the beam and the roof. And it collapses. Because we have started the wrong way. Where does reconciliation start? It all starts from God. It all starts from God. God is the one who initiates reconciliation. It starts from God. It's all from God. Now, God, what did he do? He reconciled himself 
to us through Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to the time of creation. After the fall, what did Adam and Eve do? They ran away from God. They decided to hide from God. Why? Because, you see, when we commit sin, when we mess up, we are ashamed. Ours is to hide and hide and cover up and cover up. You see, the cover up of Adam and Eve was this you know, wearing of, you know, of uh, trying to make, you know, to, to, to make stuff, to try to, to appear good or whatever. But it couldn't work. And then it is God who comes and says, hey, come on, where are you? Of course God knew where they were. It's a rhetorical question when you are saying, come on, I want to help you. God knew where they were. He said, where are you? He wanted them to say, I'm in trouble. I'm hiding. I'm in hiding. I've messed up. He said, where are you? And they said, you know, we heard your voice, and then we just went to hide. He said, come on, <laughs> come on, get out of that, <laughs> the hiding place. How many times do we hide? You know, when we mess up, the tendency is to hide. And it's all from God. It's God who made the first tape and reconciled himself to us through Jesus Christ. That's where it is tough. That's the foundation. That's where many people do not want to go. That's where they fail. You know, uh, Many of you may have heard about the, the Rwanda genocide. There's a genocide which took place in Rwanda. I was there. I was on the hit list. And for three months, so many attempts to kill me were made. And indeed, my father, my mother, my brother, sisters, they were all killed. And our property destroyed and cousins, they were all killed. And God performed miracles after miracles. And I survived. Then uh, I was talking, I was giving a talk in, uh, down in South Carolina uh, University, uh, the University of South Carolina. And uh, I, I was told, don't talk about Jesus, don't talk about anything. Uh, just come and tell us about reconciliation. I said, sure, I will. Of course, I know that I will grab every opportunity to witness. So I knew exactly what, how I was going to go about so I went and spoke about reconciliation in general. And then after that, I left time for Q&A. And uh, they asked me questions. I said, I'm going to take a series of five questions, and then I'll deal with those ones. And then uh, they went on, and then one of, of them asked me, uh, how can you reconcile pe- How can you forgive people who killed your father and your mother and your brother and sister and everything else? And then I said, okay. Here you go, an opportunity to witness. And then I asked the organizers, I said, to be able to deal with this question, I will need to talk about my faith. Do you mind if I do? They said, no, we don't mind. I said, thank you so much. (laughs) So I told them, you know what? The non-believers, I don't know how they go about. But myself, by looking at Jesus on the cross dying for my sins, it makes a big difference. My sense of forgiving, forgiving those who offended me comes from seeing Jesus on the cross. Because it is God making the first step through Jesus Christ to reconcile himself to, my, to, to me. Now, when I look at Jesus on the cross, the whole thing changed. Because he's dying for my sin. You know what? Cheap reconciliation is not biblical. Reconciliation is very expensive because it could just on, on the cross. 
So cheap reconciliation is not durable, it's not sustainable, it's not biblical. Reconciliation is tough, is expensive. Indeed, the cost was the cross. So it's all, it's, it's all from Jesus Christ. Now, what he does is actually reconciling us to God. That's step number one. Now, step number two, and this is, many people don't know about it. When we are reconciled with God, we become reconciled personalities. Why? Because when we commit sin, we become divided personalities. We have, you know, we, we have what we show to the public, and there's what we know we are. You just imagine for a while, a man who is cheating. A cheater. Who is cheating on, on his wife? You know, he's going to just cheat and then come here and just show to be a loving husband and just, you know, everything else. You are divided personality. Believe me. This is it. This is the, this is the situation. Because your image, on this side you are showing this, but you know inside you, you are a cheater. So, you become a divide. No, sin make, make people to be divided personalities. Now, when you reconcile with God, you reconcile yourself to yourself. Then you become a reconciled personality, a balanced personality. Because sin destroys us and makes us what we are not supposed to be. And you become divided personality. And that's what sin does. And because we are divided personalities... Then we, 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 know, we spread division. You only give what you have. If you have division in you, in you, and you have fight in you, and you have bitterness, that's what you give. But if you have love, and you have happiness, that's what you give. You can only give what you have. Now, divided personalities, and this is what happened in political arenas. Now, you get one, a, a guy who is cheating on his wife, he's a divided personality, and another one who is cheating on his wife, and he's a divided personality, and they all meet, and they pretend that they are going to reconcile. No way, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, why people fight? It's, somebody described people as walking war. A war. Now, this is a war walking, and this is a war walking, and they come and they collide. You know, you have bitterness within you, he has bitterness within him, and then when you meet, you start colliding. I don't know if you have seen in your place of work or wherever you are passing, when you find somebody, a person is attacking you, you know, slandering you, doing all kind of things, and you don't even know this person. They are giving you what they have, and you give what you have. Now, God, when we get, we become reconciled personalities, then we are given a message of reconciliation. Because we are reconciled personalities, then we can go out and bring reconciliation to other people. Because this is what we have, and then we can give what you have. Hold on a minute. Let me just pause for a while, because I like to give some concrete. I believe you know oranges, orange trees. You know them, you know the orange trees? Definitely know them. Now, if you see an orange tree, and it has ripe, ripe oranges. And then you take stones and you throw the stone on the orange tree. What do you get back? What do you get back? You get oranges. That's what it has. You are throwing stone to the orange and the orange is giving you ripe oranges because that's what it has. 
Now, we give goodness because we are good. We give blessing because we are blessed. You know, we bless other people because we are blessed in return. Now, when we are blessed and we, we become reconciled personality, that means we receive God's blessing. Then you spread around us blessing. Am I making sense? Now, the last bit is not all that very, I mean, it's important, but I'm not dwelling on it. But let me just go to this. Being messengers of reconciliation as reconciled personalities. And it's all start from God. I remember a story. Uh, it's not a story. I remember uh, back in 2007, uh, I was invited to go to Sri Lanka to conduct, uh, to conduct seminars on, on peace building and reconciliation for a whole month. Invited by the Council of Churches over there. Uh, and I had to, there were series, it was an intense program. I had to speak to a number of people, NGOs, uh, government people, and, and, you, and you name it. And I was, I was scared. I was really scared. Because at that time, the war was raging, and I came to learn that Sri Lanka was an island, and I came to learn that they are, they, 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 they are, uh, they are, uh, War planes were just in the civilian airport. In that case, not very many, I mean, no company was, was just going there because they were afraid. No, only just one company was just flying in. So I, I said, now, if I go there and there are problems, I'm stuck. And I had said that I was going. So I was looking for some excuse not to go. And then I said, I, was, I, you know, I said, okay, let me just be clever and tell them that uh, my wife and my children didn't support it, so I'm not coming. So I went to my wife and children, I called them, I said, okay, I have to go to Sri Lanka, and there's war taking place over there, this and that, and he asked, so what, what is your advice? They said, dad, go, we shall pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And then I said, okay, the, the, the minister of foreign affairs was a believer uh, in my country. He was a friend of mine. I said, let me call him and seek advice from him. <laughs> uh, and then I can say, okay, you know, uh, and then I called him. Uh, I asked him, where is our embassy in relation with Sri Lanka? He said, the nearest embassy is in India, oh, in Bombay. And then I said, what is your advice? Should I go to Sri Lanka or not? He said, you know, Bishop, it's not that uh, in, on Col Colombo is the capital. It's not people are dying in the street of Colombo. Yes, there is war in the east. Uh, what about your advice? Should I go or not go? He said, you're going to pray. And what God will show you is what you'll do. No, he didn't help me. So I decided. I'm not, I don't do it always. But I decided to take three days of prayer and fasting so that I may know if I go to Sri Lanka and I die there, I know God has allowed me to go there. So I'm not, these are not adventures. Surprise, surprise. I go there, I pray the first day, no answer. The second day, our God has a sense of humor I have never seen. I was challenged. Alex, you want to go to Sri Lanka to build peace? And you have not yet built peace in your own village? What type of hypocrite you are? I said, I'm not fighting with anybody. I'm not taking anybody to court or whatever. He said, no, you've never been in your village and you have never told them I have forgiven you. 
Now you are going over there to tell people about forgiveness and you have not done it in your own village. You see, this is close to 11 years after. I have been carrying this burden without even knowing it. I mean, I, I just, I didn't want to go in my village and spend a lot of time. I'll just go there for a time and then go away. And everything else. And I started telling, uh, telling God, reminding God of my programs. <laughs> you know, God, I even don't have program, you know, in two days' time, I, I'll have to go or not go. Uh, he said, but you have a telephone. Why don't you and just call? I said, who do I call? Yeah, you have a relative. You can call him to tell him to make a commitment that you are forgiving them. And once you are from Sri Lanka, you'll come back and go and face them and tell them, I have forgiven you. I said, Lord, I'm willing to do. I left. As I had gone to pray, I didn't take my, my, tel- my cell phone. So I went home. I, I, I got my cell phone. I called this man. I said, go and tell to these people. You know, people who destroyed property, they had to pay. But God showed me clearly. He said, you know what? They destroyed your house. I have given you a house. In fact, I was praying in our new house. And God said, you know, if they have destroyed your house, see, those people are very poor and they have no money to pay. And they have to pay and their children and their children have to pay. Release them. Let it go. I have given you this house. They have destroyed your property. You have never gone hungry. I have fed you. I have taken care of you. And God started reminding me of the many ways he has blessed me. Let it go. Forgive. I had to run to my home, pick up the phone, made a phone call. And I said, uh, I'll come to tell you that I've forgiven you. I'm going to Sri Lanka. After one month, I'll come and tell you I have forgiven you. And I was now, I was now a free person ready to go to Sri Lanka. And I went to Sri Lanka as a free person. Not afraid of anything. Believe me, what was going on? I even went to the east where it was, you know, the fiercest fighting was taking place. I remember 2007 on, uh, on, on Pentecost. Shelling was going on over my head. And, you know, one, you know, one, you know on one village, shelling the other village. And it was just, they were just passing. Everyone was saying, are you not afraid? I said, why should I? I know why I'm here. Believe me, even when I got into the country, I had no visa. Uh, I was told, you're going to get a visa on arrival. I arrived there, and then they are looking at my passports, and then they are taken to the superior, and then to another one, and I'm there, I'm saying, I know, I know who sent me here. I know I've been cleared from above, so who will not clear me? <laughs> <laughs> so at the end, the superior, he looked at, he said, I had no idea, because I had, you know, I had a diplomatic passport. I had never, never even known the value of this passport. And then he looks at it, he said, Oh, diplomatic passport. Oh, that's okay. And then he stopped it and said, take it, go. I said, thank you so much. Reconciliation with God, and then reconciliation with our neighbor, and then we can take out the message of reconciliation. And the last bit, and I'm done, is being reconciled even with the environment. When you look at the way we deal with the environment, it's as if we don't want to leave anything good to our children. But if you look at it, it's, we, you know, it's, uh, let me just read it. Uh, so we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, uh, he made him to be seen whom you know sin, so that in him we might become the righteous and uh, the righteousness of God. Now, 
Reconciliation has like four levels. Number one, it's being reconciled with God. Because you see, if I offend my wife, in the first place I offended God because it is my sister. We are journeying together to heaven. And if I offend her, I have offended God. And sometimes uh, I may find it very difficult to say sorry. And then when I'm praying, God tells me, you know what? Go and tell to your wife sorry. And then I go back and say, oh, I'm sorry. God has shown me to tell you sorry. And I have to do it. Sometimes it's not easy. You just, you have, you know, children. Sometimes uh, one child uh, is mean to the other one. And you say, uh, go and say sorry. Say, sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's not coming from your heart. Please say it well. Say, sorry. And he said, boy. <laughs> you know, true, lasting, and if you like, everlasting reconciliation. You know, you know, there's, there's peace. And they said, okay, uh, it's not enough. Let's talk about lasting peace. But the world has never come to the realization that what we need is not peace, lasting peace, but we need everlasting peace. And the everlasting peace comes only from God. And it comes from reconciled personalities. And friends, let's be instruments of God in this work of reconciliation in this broken world because we are in a broken world whereby, you know, problems everywhere. Problems everywhere. You know, you find parents with children, you know, fighting, you know, you know hating each other. And there's no love even in the family where love should be. And you know what? I told you we have, we have 12 children. And when I look at the way we love each other, when I look at how the, our biological children love those children we adopted, and how I see it, and I say, thank you, Lord. We wouldn't have made it. I know this is from the cross. Especially my wife. My wife, I call her the pastor of my small parish. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's been a very effective pastor. By, you know, by praying for these children, praying with them, and just getting them together. And they have been so good. And you know what? Sometimes you hear parents complain, you know, children, teenagers, they have problems. I tell them, stop it. They are good. I have had lots of teenagers for so many years in my house. And they have been always a blessing. A blessing. Each of my children is a blessing. I mean, a real blessing. I, I, I'm not... You see, uh, yesterday I was visiting. Yesterday, yesterday about one, I was visiting my son who is in Eastern University in honors program. And, and I went there. I said, Dad, I bought this jacket for you. I, I, son, you shouldn't... You should, you, I mean, you don't have to do it. He said, son, I, uh, he said, Dad, I saw it. It, saw, it was so beautiful. And it's really beautiful. It was so beautiful, and I thought about you, and I thought that I had to buy this jacket for you. <sighs> so sweet. 26th of December, we had our 25th anniversary with my wife. And we thought about so many things we were going to do and everything else. And finally, she told me, you know what? Since you travel a lot, probably we'll spend a whole day uh, just laying back, just enjoying each other, and just relaxing and chatting, and that's all. I said, good. No expenses. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Guess what? Five o'clock, 5.30, our kids told us, you know, Dad, can we go by the lake to have some family photos? I said, sure, let's go. We went there. They had organized a party I have never seen. <laughs> there were more than 100 people 
friends from far and wide, you know, they were there. I saw, you know, a camera, gifts. I said, I mean, a big party organized by my children. Guess what? Our number four is the one who was, uh, you know, who is uh, like uh, 19. He was the master of ceremony. Our daughter was 23. He, she's the one who organized everything. And they would invite friends and they tell them, you know what? Shh, don't, don't say it. Until the very, last, the very last minute, we didn't even know. These are loving children. We couldn't, I mean, we couldn't get any near having a good family apart from being reconciled personalities and bringing them to, you know, to this whole process of reconciliation and then making them, loving them and bringing our love to them and them loving each other and then loving us. When I see them like calling each other, we have another daughter over here and they are, you know, I mean, our kids, they call each other and say, how much money do you have? Are you stuck? And when they are stuck, they send money. They keep on just balancing money like that. And, they, and then at the end they say, Dad, we are stuck. Can you help? <laughs> but this can only come from God. It's not that they are, they are not angels. It just comes from God. And uh, uh, he's the one who, who, who made the first step. And then, then we are reconciled with God. And then as reconciled personalities, then we become messengers of reconciliation throughout the world. May God bless you and may God make you messengers and instruments of reconciliation blessings.